today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. God always has our best interests at heart. It's always for our good and His glory in the end. Yeah, this is hard. Yeah, I'm wearied by the footmen, and now you're telling me horsemen are coming, and you're actually, you're not saying toughen up, you're toughening me up, because I need to be toughened up for the tougher trials that are ahead. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Jeremiah. God will transform us to make us complete in Christ. Rejoice in the growing as it gives you perseverance. Like Jeremiah, we will have hard times. Today, Pastor J.D.'s message reminds us that in our present trials, God is preparing us for greater challenges and opportunities to serve Him. Let us glorify God with our new strength. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Jeremiah chapter 12. Utterly desolate. You have devastated, desolated, decimated completely and utterly. And it mourns to me that which you've made desolate. The whole land is made desolate because no one takes it to heart. The plunders, verse 12, have come on all the, here it is again, desolate heights in the wilderness. And here's why. For the sword of the Lord shall devour from one end of the land to the other end of the land. No flesh shall have peace. They have sown wheat, verse 13, but reaped thorns. They have put themselves to pain, but do not profit. But be ashamed of your harvest because of the fierce anger of the Lord. Verse 14, thus says the Lord, against all my evil neighbors, who touch the inheritance which I have caused my people Israel to inherit. Behold, I will pluck them out of their land and pluck out the house of Judah from among them. Then, verse 15, it shall be after I have plucked them out that I will return and have compassion on them and bring them back, everyone to his heritage, and everyone to his land. Stop right there. God of Himself says, I am compassionate, I am slow to anger, I am full of mercy. I know we've talked about it before, perhaps it would be appropriate to mention it in context of this chapter, but we have to, it is imperative. I think we do err greatly when we don't read a chapter and study a portion in God's Word like this through the lens of God's love. 
Because if you don't see God as a God of love, then this seems utterly cruel. For God to say this this way at this time, listen, after I've taught them my beloved a lesson, and chastised them, because I chastised those whom I love, I'm going to restore them. Because I'm a compassionate God. I was just inquiring of the Lord concerning His compassion for His people. And this is what I mean when I pray or say, Lord, I think we take the compassion that God has for us for granted. He's so full of compassion. He knows our rising up and our laying down. He knows everything. We don't have to tell Him what's going on. We do that, right? When we pray, Lord, Lord, and we kind of like apprise the Lord of what happened, and God's like, I'm all-knowing. I, not only did I know that was going to happen, I actually allowed it to happen. So we're like, you know, informing God about what happened, and no, God knows. And God has compassion. He sees he hears, he cares, he knows, and he will act. Yeah, but what's taking him so long? Oh, his timing is always perfect. He's never late. He's never early either. And truth be made, no, we don't want him to be early. His timing is perfect because he is perfect. Jeremiah, JD, put your name, insert your name. I know you don't know. Why? What? But I do. I know. I'm going to deal with this in my way, and in my time, and for my glory. And make no mistake about it, God knows how sensitive Jeremiah's heart is. We're getting to know his personality. I see Jeremiah a sensitive man, man of God, a godly man, a humble man. I also see him as a very passionate man, especially when you start asking the Lord to pull the sheep out for the slaughter and slaughter them. That's, uh, that's another side of this guy, yeah? But he's also a compassionate man. And that's why he's affectionately referred to as the weeping prophet. And it almost makes you want to weep for the weeping prophet. Because he is so hurt by what God has just revealed to him. And now God is trying to prepare him and steady him, encourage him and strengthen him. And he's telling Jeremiah, I'm going to take care of this. Stay out of my way. Let me do it my way. Let me have my way. I know what I'm doing. I'm going to have compassion on them. I'm going to bring them back after they've learned their lesson. And I'm going to do that because I love them. They are my people. And I'm going to restore them. Can I say it like this? God is a restoring God. Now we're going to see this in these last two verses. This is just how much of a restoring and compassionate God, God is. You ready for it? 
And it shall be, verse 16, if they will learn carefully the ways of my people. Now he's talking about Babylonians and the other nations. If they will learn carefully the ways of my people, Judah, to swear by my name as the Lord lives, as they taught my people, listen to this, to swear to Baal, then they shall be established in the midst of my people. Wait, 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 wait. Let me see if I got this straight. You mean to tell me that God is offering and inviting these Baal-worshipping nations to come to Him? Yeah. If they learn carefully the ways of my people, and instead of swearing by Baal, they swear by my name, as the Lord lives, I'll bless them. I'll let them be established in the midst of my people. But, verse 17, if they do not obey, I will utterly pluck up and destroy that nation, says the Lord. Spoiler alert, he ends up destroying that nation because they didn't swear by the name of the Lord as the Lord lives. And here's the other thing too, and we'll see this, but they actually took great delight. Now they're just the instruments, speaking of the Babylonians, in the hand of God to chastise and discipline and teach His people a lesson. He's using the Babylonians like He did with the Assyrians to invade and take captive God's people to teach them a lesson, but they enjoyed it too much. And God said, that's not okay. I have an offer for you, Babylon. I have an offer for you, Baal worshiper. I have an offer for you, Gentile nation. I have an offer for you, enemies of my people, that I'm going to let take captive my people. I have an offer for you. If you come to me, swear by my name, I'll bless you as I bless my people. I'll restore you, I'll establish you, and you will be in the midst of my people. I mean, to me, you would think this would be a no-brainer. Okay, so A, blessing, prosperity, establishing. B, destruction, death. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I'll take blessing. I'll take blessing. But they didn't do that. Oh, God will restore them once the lesson is learned. And it's so cyclical, and I know we've talked about this. Maybe it warrants a little bit of time talking about it again. But it's so cyclical in the sense, and we're so hard on the Israelites, right? Like we would never do that. I mean, it's cyclical in that they would turn away from the Lord, forsake the Lord, worship Baal, 
and then God would have to discipline them. They would be taken captive. Then they would cry out to the Lord, deliver us Lord, and the Lord shows compassion on them, hearkens unto the voice of their cry, restores them, establishes them, blesses them. And it's not long before they've started worshiping Baal again, and then they have to be taken into captivity again, and they have to be disciplined again, and they cry out again, and then God restores them again. The reason why I was so looking forward to this chapter is because it ends with this grand and glorious promise of restoration, and it's not just for Judah, it's for any nation. This is who God is. He's a compassionate God. He's a merciful God. He's a gracious God. How does that apply to me and what I'm going through? Because I'm really going through it. And you just got done telling me that you ain't seen nothing yet. You're going through this trial. That's just the footman. And you're telling me that there's tougher trials ahead that God's preparing me for? Yay! (laughs) How's that supposed to encourage me? I don't think we have any idea. Let me say it like this. Have you ever gone through a fiery trial, and on the tail end of it, said something to the Lord to this effect, Lord, I don't know how you did that. I don't know how you got me through that. Listen, I would never want to go through that again, but I would never trade what you did in my life in that trial for anything. The lessons I learned. You did a work in me that you could not do in any other way had I not gone through that. Thank you for the footman, Lord, because when the horsemen showed up, I was ready. Do you think for a second that God will allow us to be ill-prepared for that which He knows is coming? That's not a loving God. That's not a compassionate God. That's not a restoring God. God always has our best interests at heart. It's always for our good and His glory in the end. Yeah, this is hard. Yeah, I'm wearied by the footmen, and now you're telling me horsemen are coming, and you're actually, you're not saying toughen up, you're toughening me up, because I need to be toughened up for the tougher trials that are ahead. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for readying me and steadying me, because you promised me, and the Apostle Paul to the Corinthians we, we paraphrase it. You've probably heard it said this way, God will never give you more than you can handle. It's kind of a, a loose paraphrase of 1 Corinthians 10.13, where Paul says that there is no trial slash temptation, same word in the original, that has overtaken you, but such as is common to man, that God with the trial. I wish he didn't say that with the trial, will provide a way of escape so that you can bear up under it. Now we've really dumbed it down. I'm sorry you'll forgive me for for saying it like that. When we take that packed full verse 
and simplify it as, God won't give you more than you can handle. Hey, when you're going through a trial and some well-intentioned brother or sister in Christ says that to you, do you warm up to that? God will never give you more than you can Never mind. <laughs> I'm going to be real careful because I can go there, and you know that I can and I won't. Almost did. I'm not. I don't want to hear that. Listen, I know that. But when you're in the midst of the trial of your life, what you need to know is that God is going to see you through it. No matter how bad it seems, no matter how hard it is, no matter how weary you are, God is using that trial to give you what you need in order to get through that trial. Oh, I wish there was another way. We've uh, talked about it in James, that that's how we can consider it pure joy when you encounter trials of various kinds. Really? How? Because you know that the trial is where you get the endurance. Wait, so Lord, I need endurance, okay? Here's a trial. No, 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 I didn't ask for a trial, I asked for endurance. Well, here's the thing, I can't give you the endurance without the trial. You mean to tell me that the endurance I need to get through the trial is by getting through the trial, that's how I get the endurance? Yeah! Could you have just said that earlier on? and saved us all of the... I told you we were taking the scenic route. We're almost there to our final destination. Just bear with me. And I hope this doesn't come off wrong. The Lord knows my heart. But there will come a point in our walk with Jesus where we actually thank God for those trials. You know what a life without trials is? You know what... A smooth sailing, no storms, brings a barren desert where nothing grows. God's growing me. God's maturing me. And oh, by the way, that trial, the footmen, (laughs) the horsemen are coming just They'll be there. You don't have to worry about the horsemen. They'll be there when the time comes. But let's just deal with the footman right now. I know you're struggling. I know you're hurting. I know this is a difficult and painful trial that you're going through. But oh, you're going to taste from a cup that few do when you see what I do in and through this trial that you're going through. And you come out on the other side of it, and you're going, see you later, footman. Where's the horseman? Again, I hope this doesn't come off wrong. And the Lord knows my heart. And that's what the Lord is saying to Jeremiah. You know what's coming for him, right? For those of you that read ahead and stay ahead. Oh, his own family wants to kill him. It gets much worse, if you can imagine. So... Jeremiah is getting ready in and through this suffering that he's going through, so that when the time comes, when the horsemen come, he will make it through, and he will, because God will see to it that he does. Concerning trials and 
the Apostle Peter and the promise that that God has made to us that are born-again Christians, that He will strengthen us until the very end. He will strengthen us. He will steady us. He will protect us. It's very interesting. In the original, it carries with it the idea of a military garrison, a guard. I'm going to guard you through this until the very end, the last hour. I'm going to see you through. What, God's going to just say, hey, uh, I did my part. You take it from here. No! 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 Faithful is He who began that good work in us to complete it. He's going to see us through. That trial you're in, watch what God's going to do. Watch what God's going to do. I was thinking about when I was a little boy, and my father, man, he spanked hard. My mom, I loved it, actually, when my mom spanked me. She'd be like, ah! and I would just start screaming. She hadn't, hadn't even started spanking me yet, and I'm screaming, and she lets up a little bit. But boy, when my dad would spank me, whew, I would scream and yell, and I mean, it was just awful, right? And I was thinking about how we still do that when God gives us a spanking. We make it worse than it really is. I want to encourage you, those of you that are going through a very difficult trial, God's going to see you through. God will see to, He has to, to be true to His name, His character, His nature. I want you to remember that. Sometimes when you're in the heat of the battle, and certainly the spiritual battle, and the spiritual warfare as it intensifies in this last hour, and it is, I think we would do well to remember, I'm saved. This is as bad as it gets. Because soon and very soon that trumpet's going to sound because of what Jesus did for me. And in the twinkling of an eye, I'm going to be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So, okay. I got my much-needed perspective now. That's right. I remember. Kind of forgot. Started living like, I'm going to be here for a while now. I'm coming for you. And I want you to remember that. Because I died for you. Lord, thank you. Cannot thank you enough, Lord. No matter how bad the sin that you sinned was, it's taken care of. Because with His blood, there's the remission of sin, forgiveness for sin, cleansing from sin. Lord, again, it's one of those times where There's just no way it's impossible this side of glory to ever be able to express how grateful we are to you. Just saying thank you just seems so hollow. But it's going to have to do for now, because we too, like you, eagerly await and fervently desire in remembrance of you will find its ultimate fulfillment when we will actually and. It's so hard to get our finite, fallen minds around this truth. 
at the wedding feast of the Lamb, when this finds its ultimate fulfillment. We're so glad you joined us for this edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. The book of Jeremiah is one of those books that's not the easiest to walk through in the Old Testament. It's almost like you see the train wreck that's up ahead and you want to warn them, but they just don't listen. Then you have other verses in this book that are commonly claimed, but what does it really mean in the context of what's going on? Jeremiah 29 11 says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. But if you're looking at the train wreck up ahead, you wonder, how does claiming that verse fit with exile and judgment? Ultimately, God's plan and purpose are to bring people back to himself in reliance and dependence on him, not in their own possessions or their comfort. The same could be said for you today. You may be going through something that seems like judgment or exile, but are you drawing closer to the Lord in the process? There's a future and a hope, but it may play out differently than you'd like. If you're just getting into this study and want to listen to other teachings from Jeremiah, go to calvarychapelkaneohe.com to find these messages. There are a variety of additional resources on our website. Until we meet again, we encourage you to dive deep into God's Word and then come back for our next edition where Pastor J.D. will continue on in the book of Jeremiah. We look forward to that time with you here on In Spirit and Truth.